Hey, everybody, this is Drew Waters. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Lights Podcast. Keep watching the show. That was Drew Waters, who plays Coach Wade Aikman, the head coach of the Dillon Panthers. A little bit later in the podcast, we have an interview with Drew as he talks about what brought him to Friday Night Lights, his experiences with the show, the cast, the crew, and some things that we can look forward to, hopefully, in the near in the near episodes. But until then, let's get on with the show. Hey, do you want to leave? No, they just started playing. It's finished the set. No, do you want me to leave? Maybe you were right. I mean, maybe I should have left already. Do you even want me to stay? Of course I want you to stay. I was just, I was saying stupid things. I'm sorry. I love you, okay? I'm sorry. I was being stupid. Don't think about it, okay? Hey. I love you. I love you. Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Lights podcast. As always, we have Russ and Law with us again. Hey, what's going on? But um, this week we tackled the uh, episode Stay, which is the sixth episode of season four. And <clears throat> coming off of a really high emotional level with, with the last episode with Matt Pearson's dad dying and everything, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. But I, I, personally, I felt there was a little bit of a letdown in the emotional level. I think they try to amp it up a little bit with uh, with Julie's emotions towards the <clears throat> end. but. Um, all in all, I think it was a good episode, but I think they were just kind of moving pieces around again, getting them in play for the for the coming second half of the season. I'd agree. I like um, I like the episode uh, overall. It, it felt, felt like a letdown, but I think that's kind of be expected after last week's emotional kind of thing. Uh, I didn't really like it that much. Yeah. Hey, there was a theme. Did y'all notice it? <laughs> Something about staying. It was an ap- aptly titled uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. it, um, you know, going into it, I thought the stay was going to be all about Tim and uh, and Lila, though that he was trying to get her to stay. That uh, was where I thought they were taking it. But then there was, you know, obviously uh, with Matt and Julie and, and everything right there. No, I don't. I, it seemed like did it seemed like to you that that they were jumping around from character to character a yeah. lot. Yeah. You know? I don't know if that's. I don't know. I, it just seems like the, there was there wasn't a whole lot of consistency with any one story at all. Well, I think that happens when they try to fit too. I won't say too many, but just a large number of of storylines into one episode. I think that's just one of the. There's so it's such a you know ensemble cast. There was a lot of things that I had to suspend my disbelief on this week, like little things, such as, and that always bothers me. Such as the Lila teams. riding a bus from Vanderbilt when she can afford to go to Vanderbilt and her dad owns a car lot. Yeah. I thought that was odd too. She left and I mean she got there and left on a bus. I don't I'm not aware of any midterm break at a uh, uh Vanderbilt either. They call it I I mean I guess they have a fall break, but yeah. I yeah. have ridden a Greyhound bus across Tennessee and there was nobody like Lila Garrity on that bus, I assure you. <laughs> Uh, at least um, though they were able to explain the fall break as being that it wasn't that she just came home to CTM when she came home for Henry Saracen's funeral I think that at least makes me feel a little bit better that that would seem fairly unbelievable but then again you add in the the bus riding uh, Lala um, her riding that bull kind of reminded me and this is such an obscure reference of Jennifer Connelly and career opportunities (laughs) that's not obscure because that's (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Yeah. <laughs> she, I don't know. She didn't, don't have, know she didn't have the, the lollipop there. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I was Derek Jeter, I'd have a bowl on order right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like – I was kind of worried about what they would do with Lila. And it, I did kind of like the fact that she comes back and, you know, they're like hooking up or whatever. But it's obvious that the relationship means more to Tim than it does to Lila. Right. And that seems – that's another one of those things that falls into the believable category because there's always the the couple who breaks up or, you know, like the one person kind of goes off and the other person stays in town. And the relationship always means more to the one who doesn't have as much going on as the one who's, like, in school. But is and, it so unbelievable to think that they could try a long-distance relationship? I mean, it seems like they think we're not in the same city, so let's call it quits. I wouldn't buy it with those two. Mm-mm. He, and West, he, he is the epitome of Dylan, and she has always seemed like she doesn't belong in Dylan. Mm-hmm. She has seemed a little bit too high society for for Dylan, but not as high society as the McCoys. Well, I guess not. Yeah, got, I don't got, know. They got that nouveau riche thing, like you find in in small towns with their McMansion and everything. Yeah, I can see them wanting to be like the biggest fish in a small pond kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We did get to see JD just for a brief glimpse, and I thought there was about to be a throwdown in the electronics section of Sears. Um, that was my favorite scene of the whole episode. I just thought it was so weird that, that guy was—I mean, he literally was what? looked like he was going to punch him. What is the deal with that coach? <laughs> he, like, what's his deal? He's a loose cannon. He's like a tough guy, like threatening kids. He's—is he gay or not? We're not really sure. He hangs out of the gay bar. He, he's like Joe Namath guaranteeing victory. He's like all over the place. The funniest part about that uh, storyline there with Stan was obviously he guaranteed the win, and you could tell that Eric was kind of ticked off about that. But then when he was trying to do the one-on-one interview later on, and they would ask him a question, and he just sat there mute. <laughs> he wouldn't say anything. I like that interview too because I like the fact that um, – they're talking to Landry, and he goes, well, I made a perfect score on my math, SAT, so when the pressure's on, I'm really the guy to go to. <laughs> and then when they asked Tinker uh, what he thought about their chances of winning, all he did was laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I want, I want to know what, what television station is it that would broadcast East Dillon. They had like five fans at some of their games. And everything. I think it's McNulty, supposed to be like a local television station or something. I figure it was the McNulty fans that we're looking to see because I think they're just trying to cover McNulty which who is not allowed a touchdown in four games yet they allow one first drive there's I guess with that new wildcat offense they're running out there now which we've never we never saw the original quarterback at all number 11 it was always they just loose. started calling Vince the quarterback yeah yeah um and how many times did he throw it <laughs> I saw zero uh, pass back <laughs> To, uh, Luke, Luke one time, one time didn't yeah. He? Yeah, the Music City Miracle. Um, yeah. But they seem to be working well together, Vince and Luke. Yeah, you know, they're, they're watching jelly. tape together and, and joking around and stuff. That team's coming together. Buddy I'm was in the true. stands again. He was happy. Yeah. I was glad they didn't beat McNulty, though. Yeah, me too. Because that would have just pushed. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't have swallowed that. Right. Buddy, was he was he sitting with those uh, three guys that were at Eric's house before? I think he was. Deacon, the boosters that they were trying to build up. Yeah, Deacon and other guys. I don't I don't remember who he, who he was sitting with. No. It was real quick, but I, I thought he was sitting with those guys. Maybe I'm wrong. We didn't get the uh, 
um, the Jess reaction shots like we were used to either. Yeah, I got so I got so used to that. Uh, she was concentrating too much on the dance, I guess. I guess yeah, they're not cheerleaders. They don't have pom poms. <laughs> the opening sequence, like a title sequence of Jess dancing, is it's not good. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I do. Where she says yeah, it's completely just, unrhythmic. Yeah, where she like she does her like arms in the air and kind of, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess that we kind of get at least why. Does it seem like that there's some bad history between Vince and Jess's dad? What and maybe that's that why idea? he's not going to the football game? <laughs> what gives the idea that they don't like each other? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't tell if he hates football so much that he just has a he doesn't want to see Vince. Or no, I don't think it has to do with Vince specifically. No, there's history yeah. there for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, even yeah, with, with her trying to – of course, he was being kind of, you know, sarcastic. Excuse me, Miss, can I get some service? Yeah. But then she was like, get out of here. And then I was, I thought Vernon was about to throw him out. Yeah, I was kidding about that. I, I mean, there's obviously some tension. So. I know. But I think that, you know – I we, picked up on that. <laughs> are we in for a triangle soon, you think, with Vince and Landry and Jess? Um, why does she slap him? Yeah, I was wondering that too. He said exactly uh, he what I was Tyra. thinking. Oh, yeah, I guess I never thought about that. I mean, he's the very mention of Tyra, but he was just like, I have this girl in the back of my head. Like, he was straight up honest with it. I didn't, I think that was slap worthy. <laughs> and what did he say when he was walking away? Well, that wasn't uh, how I expected that to go or something like that. Speaking of, speaking of Tyra, if Matt and Julie drive all the way to Austin for a music festival and she's in school there at University of Texas, why would they at least try to make some sort of a connection? I don't know. Because they probably could they ever hang out with her? Oh, yeah, Julie hung out yeah. with her a lot. That doesn't make that much sense. Yeah, Julie went to a strip club with her to see Mindy. <laughs> Mindy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. That would be logical. I guess she wasn't in the script at this point. Yeah, maybe. Um Maybe she just wanted a you know lonely getaway with her boyfriend because his dad had just it wasn't died. The most romantic of uh, getaways for them, with the yeah. dancing and the and the car picnic and everything. Yeah. I guess they I listen was... to some crappy music, by the way. <laughs> Heartless bastards. Yeah, I couldn't handle yeah, those them. Guys, those guys uh, used to play around Oxford all the time, actually. That's yeah, it's a real band. Yeah, yeah they're, they're around. They tour around Southeast all the time. And Emo's is a real location there, too, mm-hmm. at, at the Indie Fest happens. Um, but were you totally buying? I guess I guess we do, but just that Julie would up and leave like that and never return a call to her, her mom the entire time? That's not as bad as a lot of the stuff that she did in season two when she was, like, seeing that, that dude. The sweet. And, yeah, the sweet. And, uh, I could see her doing that. Eric's reaction of calmness was what I wasn't buying so much. She'll be okay, honey. Oh, she's 17. That's what 17-year-olds do. <laughs> they drive yeah, 200 miles. Get a hotel room with her college-age boyfriend. <laughs> I, I would have thought he would have been on the way to Austin also. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it, does, it maybe he's just kind of come around. The, the fact that Julie is... I mean, it's not like that's our first rodeo doing that kind of stuff. Maybe he's just so used to it that he's got a different reaction now. Because that's the kind of way I took it. If you were Matt, though, would you have tried to have called 
them to at least say, look, she's okay. I didn't know that she did this, you know, without y'all's permission or against y'all's you know, directions. When he found out, I guess that second afternoon that she had, you know, basically just skipped town and then told her parents afterwards. Cause they look, he was upset about it. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, what do you say? I mean, what do you say when you make that call? Uh, yeah. Fine. We've got a hotel in Austin. <laughs> 17. I mean, what, how do you put that away that everything's okay? I'll bring her that? back tomorrow night. Yeah, I would have started the car and drove her back, but, you know. But, and too, what amazed me is that they're sitting out at the curb, you know, saying their goodbyes, and nobody comes out to see them. I mean, if, if that had been me, I would have been, you know, out on the front porch, you know, pulling somebody out of the car, not waiting on her to come in. And, of course, Julie breaks down and starts crying with the realization that Matt's about to, you know, probably make his, his exit. But, uh, and all, you know, but I would have expected still some more reaction of like, you know, you come in crying, you've been away with your boyfriend. Did something major happen? Not, is everything okay, honey? Yeah. I, th- I was thinking that the Taylors are better parents than my parents would have been in that situation or I would have been because if I would have come in from being gone for three days late and got into a ball in the floor, that would have been, that would have been like chum in the water for my dad. <laughs> like It's an easy target. Suck to it hit. up, son. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I think maybe Eric just giving up on Julie altogether. He's like, that's it. We have another daughter now. We'll make sure she turns out okay. Yeah. She's um, focus all our energy on Gracie Bell. Yeah. But is anybody happy in Dylan? I mean, everybody seems to want to try to get out, at least all the high school kids. They want out of Dylan. And then there's obviously that pull to come back to a little bit. But not very many people are happy. We talked about this last week is is the very many ideal lives there. But even the people that we said may have an ideal life really don't seem to be very happy. I kind of don't like that. I've been thinking about that. I kind of don't like the fact that they don't show anybody that seems to really enjoy their lives in Dylan, you know, something about that just doesn't sit well with me because there's nothing wrong with people growing up and doing whatever in the same town. I mean, that's not something I would want to do either, but you know, it's, it's okay for people to want to do that, I guess. Right. I don't know if it's just because they have to, because it's a drama and they have to insert stuff like that into people's lives or what? I can't think of anybody who's that happy, man. <laughs> I know. That's true. Well, and it's odd that Matt and Landry were both five years old together. And now, <laughs> Landry's still in school, and he's supposedly the guy that's you know ma- maxing out his uh, his SAT scores. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, he's just speaking in general terms. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. He's just trying to give his buddy a pep talk, and I kind of like the fact that he he still doesn't really know what to say. He feels like he should talk about it, but doesn't really know how to be. I mean, because. When people experience tragedy, I, I'm the worst person to talk to in that situation. Well, I liked how you said that, you know, I don't know what to say, but I'm still going to be here because I'm your best friend. Yeah. You know what? If he was a real best friend, he would have called like five seconds after Mrs. Taylor <laughs> shooting him out. Like interrogated him in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Dude, she's coming to emos. Don't go. Don't you yeah. love how... Don't you love how he just kind of gets caught in every situation now? And he's like, oh, you didn't know that. I guess I'd let another cat out of the bag, too. I like Landry. I, th- I liked every single scene that he was in today. I, th- I thought that everything he said was just 
in that drive. Hey, I, hope that, I hope that Landry announces his college choices because these are going to be the only realistic ones when he starts dropping Brown and Stanford and Princeton and all these places. <laughs> yeah. Well, it fits. He can yeah. do that. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of college choices, did you notice when Tim and Billy came out for uh, to play football? Did you notice that Billy was wearing you know the old West Dillon or old Dillon High School Panthers jersey? Did you see Tim's jersey? Yeah, it was a um, All American jersey. Under Armour All American. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Under Armour has something to do with that jersey. But again, you would think that he is. Uh, if if you're good enough to make the Under Armour All American. No All Star Game. You would think that he would have more choices than San Antonio State. I just got the the um, the impression last year because I thought about that too. But I, I got the impression last year that his grades were so bad that that was like the only place that would take him. That's true. Yeah, because that's right. Because Oklahoma was wanting to talk with him at dinner that night when he went out with McCoys. Right. Okay. So okay. Let me grades. ask you this: How old do we think Billy is? I don't know, but he was pretty excited about playing football. I, I kind of get the impression that he's maybe like upper 20s, like maybe 25, 27, something like that. Yeah, I think he graduated high school late 90s. Okay. This was another thing that was a big leap for me. Which was? Because I don't feel like I'm that much older than Billy Riggins, and all he does is sit around drinking beer and going to strip clubs. He doesn't work out. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he's in full contact <laughs> practice with a bunch of school This would kill me. <laughs> uh, but he does. He does uh, pick up like car parts and stuff like that. You know, I know so many mechanics who are in such good shape. <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've seen quite a few that are in very horrible shape too. Yeah. My neighbor, dad played in ten years. You know, and he's. And he comes up there, whoo, y'all play some state champions? And he starts laying the wood to these high school kids. He, he, seemed, was, he was a golfer too, wasn't he? Really? Yeah, I thought I remember back in the first or second season saying that he he actually had a, a golf scholarship somewhere, but then something screwed up about it. Like he played for He might have because his dad is a golfer, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because didn't Tim and whatever, Mr. Riggins go play golf one time? Yep. And he accused him of stealing the video camera. Yeah, he he did steal it. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, that probably would be tough. I I don't know if you're. T- I feel like that I could, if I was playing a bunch of bad basket, like if I, a new basketball team, because I played basketball in high school. If I played like against a new basketball team that wasn't very good, and I was practicing against them, and I was five years younger, I still think I'd be able to hang and run with those guys. Yeah, but that's basketball. Do you remember the first day of hitting, how sore you'd be, like, all night and everything? Yeah, but all he does is – I mean, it's not like he's getting hit. He's doing the hitting. I guess you're still <laughs> hurt after that. I, I don't know. That was, I thought it was a cool moment, though. Like, I, it was kind of a leap for me, but I thought it was kind of cool that they brought the two Riggins to play extra – to play on defense or whatever. They seem to be mesmerized by how fast the Riggins were because even Vince <laughs> talked about how fast they were. And I'm like, I'd be willing to bet that Vince is probably still the fastest person on that field. Are you believing that Vince is running over people, though, when he's toting the ball for the East Dillon Lions? No. I can't run over like no. three guys on one run. And I'm not saying but he's. Saracen just... used to do that, too. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. It only happened once on one touchdown drive. I can buy that, you know, that they run the Wildcat and. 
it's hard for because you know you don't see that in high school very much. So I can buy that. Like the first series, the defense was kind of confused, and then they kind of got everything together and figured it out. You know, right? So. As as the episode ended, are you are we believing that Matt is gone? Is that his exit right there? Um, as he's driving away, I mean that's the last shot, you know. And he he pulls up back to the house and he sees his mom and his grandma talking about TVs and and everything, which he has very good ears if he's hearing through his car <laughs> into, into the living room. What are, are they? How old is that TV? Because I heard like knobs clicking and stuff. Are they on a black and white like picture tube? I think it's color. I think it's color. But I think it's still using the rabbit ears. Yeah. Um, but is he gone for good right there? I think so. And But I, I would not have. See, this is the kind of thing that, that bothers me too. Because I read a review that that basically implied that he was gone. But they didn't say that they have to clear that up at least in the next episode just to be like well matt went away to chicago or whatever you know like Doesn't they don't even take say a where change of clothes <laughs> i mean this toothbrush is you know at least his, where is he going yeah i don't know that's why i'm I not mean, sure that was his real exit but, but he got the death of Judy. yeah yeah it was it it was very it was very vague i i couldn't i can really get that um but I mean, they they say the review that I read said that was his exit from the show, and I don't know that kind of. I didn't get enough closure for that. No, there needs to be some clarity there. I was expecting him to pull up to a crossroads and see Chuck Nolan from Castaway there on the other side, of <laughs> look around, and then it ended like that was a vague ending. I didn't like it at all. Grandpa, Grandma's got a new TV, so she's okay now. I'm out. <laughs> she's got a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> they have yeah. a um. Maybe they should just fade to black for like 20 seconds at the very end. Put like the clock from 24 on there. Chink, <laughs> chink, chink. Uh, but are we to believe the switch, I guess, as well with why Matt stayed? I think we talked about this earlier about how at the end of season three, it seemed he decided to stay for his grandmother. But now it's he's saying that, you know, he stayed because of Julie. Um, and I guess that could be, you know, a double motive there. You know, he was wanting to stay for both of them, but together that kind of sealed the deal but she's almost telling him to go and then she's saying no i want you to stay i love you and and but you can tell they, another good acting job i think between the two of them where they were able to say a lot just with their facial expressions and eyes no i like that because it's almost like she wanted to say yeah you probably need to go but like i love you was like the fallback answer that's all she could say or whatever right um isn't that the shortest internship ever a two episode internship. <laughs> for the, the artist. Yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Richard Sherman. I mean, I wouldn't. Not like I followed that storyline too much. Cared too much about it. That I guess that that beautiful piece of crap was the ending for that. That was another thing. They, it seems like sometimes the writers have different things happening here and there, and then all of a sudden they're cut out. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have an interview that I think that we're going to put at the. With, with this episode, but it's from Drew Waters, who plays Coach Wade Aitman. But I talked with him, and I talked with somebody else as well, and they talk about how different shots and, and scenes that they, they shoot all the time that we never get to see once it comes out on the, on the television or even on the DVDs. And so I always wonder how much, like for a 42-, you know, 43-minute episode, how much film or how, a scene do they actually shoot that they have to call it down to fit 
you know, DirecTV. And then even from DirecTV to NBC, they still have to cut out, you know, another, what, 90, 120 seconds, even off of that. So I think there's a lot of things that, you know, we would love to see that could give more clarity and, and shed more light on characters that we, just because of time constraints, do not get the opportunity to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this, and I'll, I'll tell you, and y'all are going to be disappointed in my line of thinking. I think Tim caves eventually with Becky. Yeah, I hope not. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. It kind of seems like – well, because I've been thinking about this too. She's probably 15, and he's probably – I would say at least 19 just right. because I would think that he would be older – and behind in school, but that's only four years. And I know that that when they're in high school, that's weird, but that's the same age difference between me and my wife. So I was like, maybe that's not, maybe that's not as weird. After, after Lila left and, you know, he brought his little grocery bag of beer to sit out there on the back porch. I was so hoping and glad that she didn't say, okay, now close your eyes. (laughs) because <laughs> I was thinking they were going to go there. I was thinking, no. And then she starts, you know, talking and talking and talking. And you could tell he was about to say it, but I was so glad he finally said, Becky, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bob Dylan's song salvaged the episode for me. I don't know why. They do a really good job with their little closing songs. Yeah, and then the I one like they played the last freewheeling week. freewheeling Bob Dylan, yeah. yeah. Well, spe- speaking of Becky, is there something up there still or going on there between her and Luke? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, it's like they um they did the Landry Jess thing, and then they're like, oh, no, let's play that out a little bit longer. And then they did the Becky Luke thing, and then it was like, no, I don't have any interest in you either. So, so apparently just, something happened between her and Luke, though, huh? Th- that's what I mean, because, you know, they went and bought oh, beer, yeah. and then they left, and what happened? I don't know. Well, it's implied what happened. Right. Yeah. It was just one night. He they didn't drink in. He got shot with a paintball. But he had his yeah. shirt off. It was unfair. But she she tossed him down the stairs. It seems like there at the locker scene, and then he goes, "Well, I think you're cute." And I just, well, I guess I was whatever. Bye. And you could tell she was frustrated. Like, well, maybe I shouldn't have sent him off. But mm-hmm. I think I think there's going to be some recurring uh, recurring storyline from, from that. I don't know if they'll eventually become friends again or, or what what happens specifically. But um, I further oh, maybe drama I, there. I'll say that further maybe drama. I'm telling you, I, I think Riggins and her eventually. You know that that might be that might be this weird kind of like Riggins is kind of Luke's mentor thing, but he's got this. I mean, that could be a real spot of contention if they decided to do that. But I don't, I don't know if they would do that or not. We haven't seen Riggins at football practice in four episodes now. Pretty yeah. much, have Riggins, we? I mean, Riggins is the same guy who slept with his paralyzed best friend's girlfriend. <laughs> Why do we think he's going to have the morals to be like, ah, she's a couple years too young for me? He don't want to yeah. get kicked he's out. He's not Mr. Scruples. He's like the Tiger Woods of Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> he don't want to get kicked out of his house. Yeah. I don't well, think Mom would care that much. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't seem like she's around too much, and I don't know. I. Yeah. But Dad's may, coming around next week. Did you see that? But the question is not would he do it. The question is do we want him to do it? Because for well, me, yeah. I'm like. Of course not. Yeah, we don't. 
Like we we would like to think that there's been some progression in his character, but I think like everybody felt a sense of right when he pushed her away last last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even that my whole thing is how long can he keep pushing her away? <laughs> That's the thing. He's really you know not. Yep, I do. He's really not too uncomfortable walking around his underwear, <laughs> <laughs> like his the, boxer briefs. Yeah. Answering the door. We had a roommate in college who would walk around in those things all the time and he'd sit <laughs> and stand right next to you. It was awful. Yeah, it was awful. You're right. On the other <laughs> hand, I guess Riggett's tastes run more to the Cougars, as his history yeah. indicates. Maybe he's just not into that. I, you know, I don't know. I, I bet back first and second season that he didn't have any scruples with that with the rally girls. So. I, I just – Somebody pointed this out to me, and it may have been one of you actually, but I I just noticed that um, the little kid that um, that was the that was like Riggins mentored and was getting with the kid's mom in the in the earlier seasons, uh-huh. Billy is like the kid who played Sean Junior in The Blind Side. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice that until I was like, oh yeah. Hey Tim Riggins. <laughs> And, and, and Becky calls him Tim, and Becky calls him Tim Riggins all the time too, like the little kid next door. Yeah, I wonder if that's in, intentional. I, I, I don't know. From there, the writer's be, perspective, I don't know. There's definitely this kind of. I think part of it is that she's just kind of starstruck, right? You know, and she obviously has some weird. You know, she's probably got some. Looks like she's got some daddy issues that she's kind of struggling with. I tell you, when they said. And I, we we've talked about this before too, but Gracie Bell kind of looks like the crib keeper. Like, wow! Yeah, her, she does. Her, her hair. Her, you remember Chris Kamen from the Clippers <laughs> when he had the long hair? That's who she reminds me of. But when she smiled yesterday, she was the passably cute kid. Yeah. Oh, it's just the that hair t- that's weird to me because it like starts at the back of her skull, like you know, it kind of like goes back, but there's no hair in the front. It's it looks so weird to me. I think she is a cute baby, but with a weird hairdo. I don't know. Uh, cute baby's a stretch, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's you go. Think Tyler's are those t- type of people who just can't notice that their kid's not that cute. I don't know. That that girl's gonna grow up to be pretty if she really is the product of them two, though. Yeah, I'm sure she'll grow out of it. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and go with uh, – we'll play the interview with Drew Waters who plays Coach Wade Aikman, and we'll um, and after that we'll come back and wrap up. Here we are now with Drew Waters who plays Coach Wade Aikman on Friday Night Lights. How are you doing, Drew? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, fantastic. Well, we appreciate you being able to be a part of the Friday Night Lights podcast and giving a little bit of your time here. Um, I'll look through I'm a little bit of your – I looked through a little bit of your bio on your website, and it said that, uh, that you were offered – a college scholarship to uh, to play sports in college, but you decided to go to the Navy instead. What what helped that decision there? Well, you know, I grew up in a small town, Orange, Texas, and it was uh, a plant town. And uh, growing up in high school, I, I I was good at track and field and, and football, and and um, I, I was lucky enough to get a, a scholarship ride. I just knew I wasn't ready. That okay. was my big thing. My brother was in the military, and he got an opportunity to travel the world at a young age and really open his eyes. And um, you know, he grew as a as a uh, a person. And uh, I just wanted that same opportunity. And I saw um, 
a good uh, way to do that through the military. And I, I had a great time. I had an incredible time. I got a degree in the military, and I got to see some of the world. And um, and plus, you know, mainly and, and morally, it helped me grow. So I think it was the right decision for me at the time. What was what was the probably the most unique place that you visited while you were in the military? Well, I say I got to go to a few places. Honestly, we never left the uh, United States. We flew to five different uh, places. Gotcha. I joined the Navy. I joined the Navy, thought I was going to travel the world. And this is how it's all came about. I joined the Navy, thought I was going to travel the world. Never saw a ship. I wow. uh, worked on F-14 for VF-101 uh, Grim Reapers uh, in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. VF-101 uh, uh, Grim Reapers was a squadron. And... Uh, during that time, we flew to five different ports, West Coast, East Coast, uh, you know, out in Miramar, and then uh, we did the desert, we did the tinker spots and Key West areas like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got out of the military, a friend of mine introduced me right before I got out to modeling, and that was something that was never on my mind. I never thought about doing it in a million years, and I grew up a small-town boy, and that's what I felt I was. Right. And, and, uh, it it took off as a fluke. It took off, and uh, I ended up traveling the world three times over and doing something else I thought I'd never do in a million years. So I, if I would have took the other route, which I think both, you know, it, it's you could pick which one is best for you, but if I had picked the route of taking the scholarship and going to college, I, who knows where I would be today. I, maybe I wouldn't be doing what I want to do in my passion because it took me – I didn't really figure out what I wanted to do in life, and I didn't really figure out acting until I was 30. And um, as soon as I, I woke up one morning, it clicked. Everything just felt right, and I said, at this moment, I'm changing my life. I'm going to start living for what I love to do instead of living for money and what I think I should be doing. And how long have you been acting now? Uh, just right at five. Okay. So. I'm I'm still I'm still new. I, I'm right. very lucky and very blessed in in my career so far. And uh, I guess some people saw some stuff in me, and I've I've really pushed hard and with great people around me, like my publicist Charles Riley, and uh, you know my management and my agents. Uh, my Texas agent, Linda McAllister, she's been an incredible um, person in my life as far as helping me get my career going. And she's the kind of person that wouldn't take no for an answer and get me in the doors whenever uh, she could to projects to help my career grow and her willing to do that and my ability to go anywhere on a, on a whim uh, I think has helped me a lot over these last five years with these acting experiences have you have you found a certain type of character that you like to play or do you think that you're pretty wide open and just up for the challenge you know I I finally got to play uh, the one character I wanted to play it, it's not really it's based on somebody, a true life, true uh-huh. story, somebody's real, real uh, life story. I think that would be the hugest struggle for me or as an actor to get lost in somebody else's real life and, and betray it truly. And I finally got to do a little bit of that here recently. I did a movie called Legends of Hell's Gate that should be out uh, probably mid-spring next year. And it's based on the 1880s. Um, 1880 events of Doc Holliday, Champagne Charlie Austin, uh-huh. and Jesse James, all that era. And I got to play Champagne Charlie Austin. And so it's based on a true events, a true person, and it, it was just, it was an incredible feat for me because I got, 
I get to research this guy and really dig up all this stuff about him and try to figure out his personality and his character. And this guy's been passed in 1880s. I think he passed away back in 1906 is when it was. And you have to dig up all this archives and try to create the best you can from people's eyewitnesses and people saying what this person is and do justice to it. So, yeah, I, I think that's for me. But I got to be honest with you, I'm open for anything, and I'm yeah. having so much fun. You know, it's, it's hell, Friday Night Lights. I'm on Friday Night Lights, and my character is based after my uh, head coach in high school, David Williams. I mean, he is he, he's he's Coach Wade Aikman. Really? And wow. I'm on that field. That's that's who I am. <laughs> Have you talked to him about that? Does he know or that he, that you're based? No, on? I ha- <laughs> no. Fortunately, I haven't, and I want to. It's something that still I still want to do, and, and uh, I hope he does find out because um, he, he meant a lot to me growing up. Really helped me uh, in high school and in my younger years. So, how did you get to be on the staff on, on the cast of, of Friday Night Lights? Then, from you've, you've done some movies and you've done some other TV shows, and how did how did Friday Night Lights become a reality for you? Well, Jeffrey Reiner was—he's uh, he's one of the directors uh, for the first three seasons, and uh, helped create the show as well. I did a show called Surface with him, uh, probably four years earlier, uh-huh. and he was—he was kind enough to hire me. It was one of my first shows I ever did on NBC. Was was that show? And he hired me. He was the director on that, or excuse me, he was the uh, producer on that, executive producer, and. Uh, came to tuition. I mean, three years later, I walk in the door and uh, find my lights, and he's there, and he remembered me. And this was season two, and I tried out for a new dive coach when Coach Taylor was moving to uh, moving up to college. Yeah, TNU. And uh, yeah, going to start uh, coaching. With the family was going to move, and his daughter was going to start taking swimming lessons and diving lessons, and I was going to be that new dive coach. And they just changed the direction. At the end of the season, they decided not to use it, which brought into season three the new character, Coach Wade Aikman. And I walk in, and there's, you know, there he is again. Still there, yeah. Jeffrey, Jeffrey uh, said, hey, Drew, come on in. Let's try this out. Tried it out, and next thing I know, I got the part. But, I, you know, we didn't know that the character would last that long. We didn't know that uh, he would be such a, a positive impact on the show and, and take off the way he did as far as the you know, second season now and, and where he's at today is, is the head coach of the Dillon Panthers. And by the way, I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the one to pull the trigger on that. So <laughs> Understand. Yeah. There's a lot of emotion for fans <laughs> based upon, upon that move. I guess it was the last episode of season three. So, um, yeah. And it makes yeah. you wonder what would have happened if, if coach Taylor would have decided to stay, uh, at Dillon, I guess Wade still would have been the, um, offense coordinator under him. So it seems kind of a, I guess a good opportunity for Wade regardless. I guess being connected to Joe McCoy is a good thing for Wade Aikman. Well, you, you'll love the ending of the season four. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, working with Friday Night Lights, have you had the opportunity to work directly with Peter Berg or Jason Kadams? Uh, yeah, Peter Berg I have. Um, I've met Jason, but I uh, haven't had an opportunity to work with him just yet. But Peter Berg I have, and, and i got to tell you, the man is uh, – well, he created the concept. You know, he created the way the the style the the show is shot. Right. And now a lot of a lot of new networks are following it. A lot of new television shows are shot that way now. Can you describe um, that process in your own words? 
Fast and Furious. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, the great thing about the show as an actor um, is the writers give us the writers, directors, producers, you know, everybody line producers. They give us the the freedom to explore our character, meaning that we're not locked into the exact words. Uh, a lot of different shows, you, you can be locked into the exact words, and they don't want you to, to um, veer from that. Uh-huh. Friday Night Lights, they want to make it as real as possible. They want to make it feel like, um, you know, high school football back in the era that it did. So when people are reliving it, they're sitting there going, wow, it's just like I remember. You know, this is how it was in our town. And small town football rivalries, uh, Texas football's religion. So they wanted to bring back that feel with emotion in it. And um, it's it's fast and furious. They give us directions. Um, they give us scripts. And then we have the um, freedom to play with that those words and create the, the scenes that we want to ultimately uh, have come across and let the director tweak it here and there. But we get to create the scenes that we ultimately get to – that you get to see on TV. So, so is it like they give you a, a, a start point and an end point and say, however you get here, it's up to you guys? No, I mean, the, the writers, the writers have a full script written out because we've got genius writers on it. I mean, we really Obviously. do. The, the way they, yeah, the way they put it together and, and the way they showcase the characters and, and, um, every season is, is changing and every episode's changing. Uh, we, we can't have a show without them. But what they do is they, they don't say, they don't say we, you must say these words. Okay. So that way, if we're in a scene and we want to say something or we're, we want to keep everything fluent, like you do on an everyday you know, basis. When you're talking to somebody, you don't have stop the start point. You, yeah. You're just talking. And that's the freedom they give us. And that's what makes the show so real, in my opinion. They, the emotions are very real because they'll carry on and, and scenes will get escalated and you just, you'll have real emotions come in at that point versus just something on paper. And I think the writers and the uh, creators of the show are genius for letting us do that. I really do. As an actor, does it keep you more on your toes as well? It does. It's fun because you never know what's gonna, what somebody's going to say. <laughs> you got to follow up, and then they'll say something. That'll respond, say, or that'll you know, spark a response that – may or may not have been the direction that you were thinking of at the time. You might say something a little bit different, but it might work out great. Yeah. You know, those are great little um, uh, mistakes. In the last episode, that was one of the things I was wondering when you saw, um, I guess, the Riggins brothers and Landry on the football field with Saracen. And I think it was Billy that threw a can and knocked uh, Matt's beer out. And I thought the line that uh, that – Tim Riggins gave, or I guess Taylor Kitsch gave, like, why'd you have to kill Cobra's beer? I was thinking that was probably something that he threw in himself because that's a game that some friends and I play, try to figure out which were written in lines and which were just kind of some impromptu stuff that some of the some of the actors and actresses just throw up out there for each other. <laughs> well, you know, it's great when you have that kind of camaraderie with the, with the uh, people you're working with as well. You know, you have that freedom, that comfort zone to be able to do that. Uh, and I think that's important too. I mean, you watch the show from season one; mm-hmm. those guys are, are like family. I mean, they're brothers. They've been with each other for four seasons now, and and uh, I don't. I, it's fun to watch them try to throw each other off every once in a while. You know, that's the fun part. Are they welcoming they really, though? Are they welcoming to new uh, actors and actresses as well coming to be a part? Yeah, they really are. Yeah. I mean, um, 
Kyle, I, I deal with mostly Kyle and, and uh, Connie and, and close uh, Joe and uh, not so much of the, the older kids, more of some of the newer kids. But for me, when I walked in, it was um, it was like I was part of the family. You know, I'd been there the whole time. It, it wasn't like a new guy coming in, oh, this, that, and we got to, you know, straighten them out and tell them what's going on uh-huh. and, you know, put them in his place. It was open arms. And uh, that's the other thing I love about the show. There's hardly any egos. I mean, it's just it's just a bunch of uh, actors and actresses and, and just people getting together to do something they love to do. And, and you can tell that's uh, everybody a loves the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves the show. And, and that's I'm, I'm very blessed and very thankful to be a part of the show. I, I truly am. And, uh, here's the season five, hopefully that uh, everything works out and we get to play on some more. You, you said that you played football in high school as well. How real does it seem when the football scenes are being being filmed? Or is, is it manufactured? Is it do this play four times and we finally get it right? Or does it feel like this is the hype and the intensity of ball when you were playing it back in high school? No, it feels real. I mean, it, it, it truly does. It feels like you're on the field, game's going on, you're fourth quarter, you're down by three, and you're trying to, you know, get in a field goal range or get into the end zone. I mean, that's, that's the rush, that's the feeling, and that's what I love about it because when you're on that sideline, those emotions are rolling. you got the, all these kids running around, and a lot of big ball players uh, are on the, on the teams, and the moment, I mean, those are real hits. Those are real balls flying through yeah. the air, and, and it's it's – uh, of course, you know, safety uh, is, is the first because you don't have a show if you don't have the actor. But um, it's it's real. I I don't know how else to say it. The crowd's behind you, and they're yelling, screaming, and you just get in the moment and, and let it go. From what you've seen during season three and season four of the actors, which actor do you think would have the best chance of actually earning the scholarship for college football? I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> Uh, you know they got such a great career now. I don't think they really care. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Uh, you, um, everybody loves Riggin. I mean, well, everybody loves them all. Landry Riggin, Saracen, and, and um, but you know, someone had told it, me that Landry, Landry may have the or Jesse Plymouth might actually have the best arm of anybody out there, but he's never actually been playing. <laughs> the... yeah, we play a little. We play a little flag football at the end of the season. It, it doesn't turn into flag football. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not too untouched. It's too much shove. Uh, uh, whoever gets there first and whoever collides, <laughs> however you can stop them at the end of it. Speaking, yeah, yeah. Guys, I say, just looking at the at the characters and all, are most of the characters that we see on screen are they kind of like the the actual actor that that's you know, behind the character, or do some people are they able to turn it off and own? of who they are and who the character is. No, you know what? I think you did a really good job of casting people that personalities are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kyle is, is a great person all around. He's a great family guy, great person all around. Connie is the same way. I mean, she um, she's that soft-hearted, um, caring, but, you know, understands directions. Mm-hmm. Not, not directions, but under, understands that – She's not going to be stepped over, kind of person. Right. And I think, I think, I think they casted it very well. I mean, I think everybody's characters are a piece of them. So. I've heard that D.W. Moffat is actually a much nicer guy than Joe McCoy. 
Oh yeah, he really is. Yeah, you know, I mean, but I mean, come on, everybody has a little bit of Joe McCoy in them as well, too. So. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he plays that role so well there, and then just the transformation yeah. of of JD McCoy from you know last season from from being the you know the wholesome young guy drinking the milk at the party and all to now he's. He's, I guess, some of his his dad's arrogance and and brashness and and all the accolades he's received as a as a star football player has kind of gone to his head. But he's, a, I say, Jeremy Sumter has done a great job as well playing the arrogant, cocky uh, football player. Right, right. Now they all have. They really have. They they came in and, and I think they took on their characters very well. And I think, uh, you know, it, it has a lot of true life to it. Um, and. Yeah, D.W. is a great guy. I mean, he's very helpful, very great guy, um, very educated, smart, intellectual kind of person that you when you when you speak with him. And um, you know, he's 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 a great actor. What can you say? He's been around yeah. for. <laughs> he's has had a lot of experience in acting. Yeah. Yeah, he's an incredible actor. Being from Texas, or did you grow up a Longhorn fan? I did actually. That was my school of choice if I were went to college, and uh, I've been a Longhorn fan ever since I can remember. So I was that in, in this is that in Dallas. Well, I was going to ask you: Is uh, would you, are you picking uh, the Texas then to win the national championship over Alabama? Absolutely. Is there anything else? And do I have to guess who your husband pick is? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm I'm kind of torn. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I really am. I think McCoy. Uh, he has a great um, uh, shot at it, but come on, I'd love to see Shipley do it. Yeah. I'll be honest. He, I mean, he doesn't drop a ball. He's, he's amazing. Showed, he showed out big time I mean, the last few weeks. He's, he's he's filling in four different spots pretty much, and he never drops the ball, and he's always making the game plays. Uh, yeah. Speaking but, of the Cowboys, have you been able to go see the new Cowboys stadium? Yeah, I've seen it. It's it's pretty amazing. It's uh, definitely big. <laughs> yeah. The screen in there is, is amazing, man. I heard, um, I heard it costs six hundred dollars an hour for the electricity just to run the scoreboard alone. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I honestly, I wouldn't doubt it. They, it. they didn't skimp on anything. I mean, they went as far as putting in uh, dancers at the uh, nosebleed section for the people buying those tickets. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Drew, I appreciate it so much you being able to be a part of us, and um, looking, forward, looking forward to the rest of the season, and hoping to see more of uh, of Coach Aikman both in season four and season five, if uh, if that's what if that's what happens in the future. Well, you guys ride in and tell them you want to see more of them, and I'm sure they'll put us in there. And uh, thanks for everybody for being a fan and watching the show, and, and keep on watching. Definitely will. Thanks, Drew. See you, buddy. Well, that about does it for uh, for this week, and. Um, as we go into, I think we have one more episode until there's a, a break during the Christmas holidays. I think a two-week break um, for the 23rd and the 30th. And then once the New Year gets here, they'll fire back up again January the 6th. So, um, <clears throat> again, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks for, for everybody being able to, to be a part and looking forward to the next coming weeks. All right. I'm hoping to see uh, Lila as the manager of uh, Riggins Riggs with a Vanderbilt degree. So. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's kind of what I did. That's your, that's your sale. 